Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hey, I hope you're having a most excellent holiday season. We'll be back with new shows starting January 2. But in the meantime, we're replaying some of my favorite Wednesday interview shows from 2023. This time, it's one of the most surreal interviews I've ever done. My October talk with Doug and Emmy Joe from the 1970s children's show, The New Zoo Review. They're easily two of the kindest, most delightful people I've ever, ever met. And I had no idea Freddie the Frog would be joining them too. So as always, patreon.com slash Bob Suska Show for our after-party series about the 80s and more. Okay, this is my talk with Doug and Emmy Joe from The New Zoo Review. Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska! I think it's the best show on the air ever that has been. It's weird how good it is. It's so strange. The Bob Seska Show! From our nation's capital, it is Wednesday, October 11, 2023, and this is the Bob Seska Interview on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi, day 994 of the Biden-Harris administration, 390 days until the 24th presidential election. You can find me on threads and Instagram at the Bob Seska, Twitter, Bob Seska underscore go, spoutable Bob Seska, and our Patreon page is bobseskashow.com. So, if you were a kid in the 1970s, as I was, Chances are you recognize my guests today. Doug and Emmy Joe from the New Zoo Review are here today. One of those iconic, one-of-a-kind kid shows from my generation. In fact, chances are you remember all the words from the theme song, too. Not to mention the animals on the show, Freddie, Charlie, Henrietta. For so many of us, Doug and Emmy Joe were kind of like our TV parents. And by the way, I usually don't use video to record this podcast, but when we connected on Zoom... Doug and Emmy Joe had their video camera turned on, and it was like, boom, there they were, smiling back at me. And most importantly, they were joined by Freddy the Frog. Freddy the Frog was standing there. I was looking at Freddy the Frog while we were recording this interview. This is mind-blowing. So I actually got to see them face-to-face as we talked, and I have to say, I've done hundreds of these shows by now, so I don't usually get nervous talking to a guest. But oh my God, I was nervous today. And by the way, make sure to follow Doug and Emmy Joe on Facebook. The page is called The New Zoo Review. Make sure to include the the. Link in the description under this episode at bobseska.com. Meantime, don't forget to support this podcast by subscribing to our Patreon page, bobseskashow.com. Okay, here we go. This is my talk with, (laughs) I can't believe it, Doug and Emmy Joe from The New Zoo Review. Mind blown. More fun, more news. 
Okay, you know what? I'm going to have to turn on my video now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is special. This is incredible. The, I mean, I, I do an audio-only show, but I'm standing here looking at Doug and Emmy Joe with Freddie the Frog. This is just... Yeah. This is just so wonderful. Thank you so much for being here on the show with me today. Hi, Freddie. There, there he is. <laughs> so, so anyway, I was basically the target demographic of that show. I mean, when it started, I was about a year old. And when it went off the air, I was about six in 1977. Yeah. And everyone I talked to, every time I mentioned the show, especially when I mentioned that you were both going to be on the show today, the response is universal. Everyone remembers New Zoo Review. Everyone can sing every last lyric of that theme song. You're basically like the Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks of children's shows for Gen X. You know what I mean? How about that? <laughs> Hi, Freddie. Oh, and you can be, uh, let's see, Mick Fleetwood. Freddie can be Mick Fleetwood. Yeah. <laughs> So, Doug, when you first created this show, when you first sat down to conceive of the Newser Review, did you ever imagine we'd be sitting here 50 years later talking about it? Never, never. You know, when you, as a writer, as a composer, you you never know how it's going to be taken and how people are going to react to it. And you just wanted to communicate. I wanted it to communicate the essence of the show when right. I when I wrote the theme song. And so I had to put all the elements in 60 seconds. <laughs> right, right. The initial song was three minutes long, but I had to cut it down. But uh, no, but I, you'd never imagine that 50 years later, that song would be rattling around in people's heads, you know? And <laughs> exactly. I, I'm just so, it's so gratifying to me that, mm. that it has had this longevity. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, along with Sesame Street and Fred Rogers and, of course, uh, the Sid and Marty Croft shows, uh, New Zoo Review was one of the most influential shows of my generation. So let's talk about origins. Um, when and how did you first connect with Barbara Atlas, Doug? How did this concept first emerge? And uh, what was that like in the early part of developing the entire show? Well, as I've said, uh, my mom worked at a toy store. Yeah. And the owner of the toy store had a beanbag frog named Freddie. She named it Freddie. And <laughs> she that was Barbara. Yeah, that was Barbara who owned the store. Yeah. And she uh, she asked my mom, she said, you know, I want to do a kid show. Do you know anybody that could help me? Well, my mom, being a good mom, said, well, my son is a playwriting major at Cal State Fullerton. Mm hmm. And I, I'm sure he could come up with something. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. So uh, she invited me in to, I invited, uh, went in to meet with Barbara. And Barbara said, here, can you do a show around this frog? So I went home and I started thinking about a theme song, thinking about a title. thought, hey, new zoo, new zoo review. And so it all just kind of happened. I wrote the theme song, sketched out the set. Um, created Freddie, his personality, Henry had a hippo. I thought having a hippo on would be just yeah. too funny. Incredible. <laughs> you know, and and then we also had uh, Charlie. Had Charlie, yeah. who used to be a giraffe. It was oh, interesting. Really? Yeah, because yeah. I've got the original drawings that Doug did, and Charlie was a giraffe. 
And then the costume was too difficult. And right. he actually was not Doug. He was the Nathanie Zoo. That was going to be his name. And oh, my God. Changed, what is the name again? How do you say the that again? Zoo. That's incredible. So, so new well, zoo review, I was, right? I was. We were essentially zookeepers. Yeah, that was the whole. And the review was is that we would be changing hats and doing different roles. So that's why it's R E V U E. So the whole thing kind of morphed into what you see now, which was just mind blowing. And me. we were actually coming back from our wedding. Mm -hmm. And and in those days you could get stationary from the airlines. And I have the American Airlines stationary where Doug sketched out the set and he would think, what do you think about this? What do you think with the elevator? And of course the designers refined it and made it into what you see yeah. on television. But it was it was interesting for me to see the creative process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Emmy Joe, were you directly involved with the development of the show when it first no. originated? So, <laughs> what was no. your what was your connection? How did you were you in a relationship with Doug at the, at that time, and yes. you were both working on yes. it at the same time? So he was working on it, and you were kind of consulting with we him, were or were you? Be, we we were engaged to be married. Okay, and he's the creative one. Mm -hmm. I'm an actress. I have a strong background in theater. Yeah. And I just happened to be engaged to the right person at the right time. <laughs> he wrote me into the show. Well, I, I I went to her and I said, "Hey, would you want to be in a kid's show with me?" Mm -hmm. I have this, I've had, you know, and she said, "Yeah, that would be fun." <laughs> so it was it was great. It was a great thing to do together. It really was. So the development of the animal characters is utterly fascinating to me. So take me through the process of creating these costumes, these uh, designs for these characters. I imagine you went through many iterations. Obviously there was a draft at one point. Um, yeah, we did. Was there a whole development process in terms of how the characters would look or did Freddy come out basically the way we see him here? Or uh, was there an entire process where you're drawing up sketches and concept art and coming up with uh, ideas like that? Well, the, the, the brilliant designers at uh... Sid and Marty Croft's office, they actually built the original costumes. Oh, really? And, and, and did the initial sketches, and we approved them. And that's how the characters evolved, because they built the costumes. They didn't have anything to do with the production of the show, but they uh, constructed the costumes, and we went and looked at them. And, and I, I changed a few things because I wanted more expression on, on Freddie's you know, face where he could be yeah. animated and doing things and he would come alive to the kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was the whole point. I wanted his eyes to move. I didn't want him to be just stationary. You know, Henrietta's eyes, I, if you notice, there her eyebrows working all the time. Yeah. And their arms and everything had to be real to the kids and to us because we're acting with them. Mm -hmm. so, so in that in that regard, the, the physical construction was Sid and Marty Croft. But the characterization, that that was me trying to refine what I thought kids would find funny yeah, and interesting. Yeah. You know, because Freddie was our little boy. Mm -hmm. Henrietta was a Southern belle that I thought, wow, that would be great for her to be reacting to the Freddie and her. And then Charlie the Owl was this goofy scientist who 
would invent things mm -hmm. that never worked, but he <laughs> would always do his best and try. And so everyone had their role. Yeah. And then Emmy Joe and I were the zookeepers, but we were really, you know, friends of theirs. Mm -hmm. And so the whole show was built around relationships. How do you get along? How do you get along with your brother, your sister, your mom, mm -hmm. you know, your cousin, uh, your teachers? Yeah. And that's that's kind of been the the combination of character the characterization, both physically and mentally, is what we brought to the screen. So the connection with Sid and Marty Krav, that's fascinating because I find sometimes when I mention New Zoo Review or I you know, maybe post a photo on social media or something like that. The reaction is inevitably someone's going to come into the comments and say, oh, yes, I love those Croft shows. And there's kind of a confusion there, but it's purely inadvertent because the shows were quite different. Uh, Sid and Marty Croft mm -hmm. were doing one kind of thing and you all were doing something different. But now that you've mentioned the fact that the Croft people were integral in developing the costumes, well, the overlap is now completely obvious to me. So that's utterly yes. fascinating. Yeah. But if you if you notice, their costumes are nothing like our costumes. Right, right. I mean, really, you know, because... We were going for the, how would a frog really be? <laughs> no. How would a hippo really be? How would a, uh, an owl be? Right. And so right. it was, it was interesting to see the development. Yeah. In fact, uh, speaking of uh, Charlie, the owl, I used to always get a little freaked out when I'd notice the actor's human hands under the feathers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, they're like the gloves. Yeah, exactly. Like the gloves. But, the feathers but on top. The, the costumes were quite ingenious. And I think that's one of the things that really sold the show, because I remember I when I was watching the show, I kind of wanted a costume like that. I kind of wanted like a Charlie Owl or a Freddy the Frog costume because they were so well done and they were so interesting looking. And of course, the fact that there was a, you know, a six foot tall frog with a turtleneck in the show <laughs> is just utterly fascinating to me. So and so these were these characters are all kind of archetypes, not necessarily reflecting uh, childlike behavior. But I mean, I think Freddie primarily along those lines. It's interesting looking back because I, I find that shows, uh, children's shows, especially of the 70s, were much more aspirational, where shows didn't necessarily have to show children all the time on screen. You know what I mean? And this show, obviously hosted by two grown-ups, and then with these larger-than-life animal characters, uh, provided a different, I guess, a different entry point for children. Like, they didn't, we didn't necessarily see, I didn't see myself on screen. I saw aspects of my life. And in fact, both of you were kind of like my TV parents. You At the time, you even kind of looked like my parents. And, and so that, I think that was another entry point. But in terms of relating to children, how did you make that connection with your audience? Well, we like children. Yeah. And I think Doug and I both have kind of childlike, a childlike aspect to our personalities, mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah. But we didn't really think too much about were the children going to relate? You know, we just hope we hope that they would, mm -hmm. but um, obviously they did because what has come out of this and to see the impact that it's had on a, millions of children like yourself is 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 pretty phenomenal. Yeah, 
and and I have to say very very meaningful to us and very very rewarding. Well, one thing I will say, Bob, is that we we uh, what we wanted to do was not talk down to kids. No. Mm -hmm. You know, in other words, our show was aimed at kids, but really we were dealing with emotions and situations in the storyline and the, in the plot and the dialogue that were not kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, we were you know we were dealing with situational comedy, musical comedy stuff, and that was really. I was told is above the level of the kids, but it really wasn't because it resonated deep inside. Uh, you know, where we're talking about telling the truth, they could take that concept or the song that I wrote at the end mm -hmm. uh, called "Tell the Truth" and assume it. Yeah, and it would be part of their character, and that's what we were finding when we went to Comic Con. We had, you know men come up crying saying you were our you were my parents mm -hmm. <laughs> you know you exactly. taught me yeah. uh you taught me morals you taught me how to behave mm -hmm. well we we were just really wanting to impart that through story and song and dialogue so it shows you how powerful a screenplay can be and we had no idea how children were reacting to it really mm. we didn't yeah but you know when when you hear People, they come up and they talk about how maybe they had a challenging childhood. It was difficult in their home. There was abuse in their home. Mm -hmm. There, We've heard from other others who you were sick a lot, were in bed a lot. And and this show, was a, it was a comfort to them. And it's, it's, it's very um, meaningful to yeah. me. I love our new zoo kids. You know, y'all are all calling yourselves the your new the new zoo kids. Oh, is that really and is I that a thing? That. Yeah. I love every single one of you. We had a lot of fun passing out hugs at Comic Con. <laughs> do, do you have any because it's like we're we're seeing these who are little children yeah. who are now grown up living their own lives, but I feel kind of related to them. It's it's pretty amazing. Very proud. Very proud of all of you. Do, do you have children of your own? Do you have kids? Oh, yes. Yeah. How many kids? Oh, we, should, we have three yeah. adult children, mm -hmm. and we have 11 grandchildren. Wow. And our oldest daughter, and I guess we can count Freddie. Freddie <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. He's standing right there. <laughs> yeah. Although if you look at him, he's ageless. But our yes. daughter, our mm. oldest daughter, is the one who started the Facebook page. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The New Zoo Review Facebook page. Which has been hugely successful. Didn't you just do a Facebook Live? Something like 21,000 people joined up. Yeah. And she just she just came over New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. This year. This year. And said, Mom and Dad, I think we need to have a Facebook page. And I just started one. <laughs> it's incredible. And we've just watched it grow. And it's well, just been lots of fun. You know, <laughs> speaking of our kids, that's what we've been doing for the past 40, 50 years, you know, after the show uh, stopped production, we had to do something. So I formed my own television production company in Las Vegas, and we've been kind of uh, apart from New Zoo and yeah. didn't really think about it that much. We've been raising our own kids, and I was doing producing, directing commercials in, in, uh, in Vegas and all, all across the country, really. Mm -hmm. So uh, we didn't realize the the impact that it had on this generation and other generations. Yeah. yeah. And until this Facebook page was launched, and now I'm seeing the work that we did that far uh, so long ago being oh. relevant today, yeah. even more so today. 
Did your kids and and obviously now your grandkids uh, have they seen the show? Have they watched the show? Do you oh, give out yes, DVDs but, but at Christmas? I'll tell you, we get no respect for it. <laughs> <laughs> we, really intentionally, mm-hmm. we never put it in their faces or anything like that. We just wanted them to have normal kids. Yeah. childhood and not think about oh mom's on television or dad's on television <laughs> but now our grandchildren are beginning to see little clips of it yeah you know and they're 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 proud of us and i think they, they respect it and they're proud of it okay short break back with more doug and emmy joe right after these words you can't always get a clean you can feel good about inside and out unless you're using bubble genius bath and body products See, Bubble Genius is a woman-owned small business proudly creating our vegan-friendly products in America and supporting other U.S. businesses by buying our ingredients and supplies from them as often as possible. Plus, you'll be hard-pressed to find packaging as recyclable as ours. Visit BubbleGenius.com and check out our cause-related items, too, like our global warming soap and a lot more. We donate our proceeds for those items to worthy causes, like organizations combating climate change and mountaintop removal mining. Good stuff like that. We also send our products to the troops overseas through our Buy a Soldier a Shower campaign. Because the least we can do is keep them smiling and smelling great, right? So visit BubbleGenius.com and feel good and clean. Bubble Genius, doing our part to make the world a better place, one bathtub at a time. That's BubbleGenius.com. So, so getting into the uh, sort of the nitty gritty of producing the show, what was sort of a typical week like in putting together an episode of New Zoo Review? Was it, did you sh- shoot a bunch of them over the course of a few days or was it kind of a more weekly schedule like traditional television where you prep and you get ready to rehearse and then suddenly on Fridays you're shooting the show? How did the process play out? Well, remember when we... Did the show? It was 1972, yeah. and that was the era of two-inch videotape. I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking about the beginnings of videotape, yeah, not yeah. digital, nothing digital. It was all on on two-inch tape with a machine that had to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, where you pressed record and it had to record something. And so, what we would do is we would go into the studio on Monday, rehearse a show, with cue cards and camera blocking. Then we'd shoot those two shows on Tuesday, rehearse two shows on Wednesday, shoot those two shows on Thursday. Then on Friday, we would pre-record all the music for next week's shows. I see. So it was a very grueling schedule. And then we had to rely on the machinery to work, uh, which sometimes it didn't at that time. Yeah. But it was, you know, during the off season, I was composing and, and writing the storylines and, you know, getting everything ready for the next series of shows. So it was quite a schedule, quite quite a hard schedule. Plus you're talking about choreography too, because there was coordinated dance routines in the show. Oh yes. So that had to have been the rehearsal process must have been uh, pretty extensive throughout the production of the show. So remember we rehearsed those two shows on Monday. Yeah. Including the choreography. We had to learn that choreography right there. Yeah. And we had to, you know, know those dance steps because the next day, uh, you know, we didn't have two or three takes. They all wanted us to do this in like one take. Mm-hmm. So if you think about a five minute song with dialogue, 
we were doing that whole song as one take. Yeah. So the, wow. the characters would be in costume the whole time, drenched in sweat. And <laughs> as Freddy. I'm sure Freddie is right now. Yeah. Yeah. But they would but they would be exhausted, but mm. would be so proud that we did it all in one take. But uh, but but anyway, it was amazing that that uh, we, we could do it all in one take because we they switched it live mm-hmm. in the control room, you know, and so we'd had minimal editing to do at the end. Yeah, yeah. But it it was it was a process and it was hard. It really was. Right, and I imagine the actors in the animal costumes were. <laughs> Having to learn that choreography with limited uh, visibility uh, must have been an interesting process from the point of view of coordination and maybe mishaps along the way as far as, you know, you trip over your own feet, I'm sure, uh, if you've got the big Freddy feet, for example. So that must have been a challenge in and of itself. So The dancers dancers that were in those costumes mm -hmm. were amazing. There's no other word for it. Larry Thomas, who was in Henrietta's costume, was one of the most famous dancers in Hollywood. And I watched a show just the other day, a clip that Doug had put up of a dance that Henrietta was doing, where she was actually throwing a temper tantrum. (laughs) And she was on the floor, she was kicking her feet, she was jumping, she was turning around. And I just, I don't know how she did it. But I have this we even have a picture somewhere of when we, when the number would be over, that segment would be over, and she would just be dripping, dripping with sweat. Yeah, I mean, those dancers worked hard, and, and we were and, very fortunate. To and, have them. and you're right, the set was, you know, it was the set. There yes. was, it was like a three wall theater set, yeah, basically. Yeah. And so, you couldn't go out of the camera range or you would be off camera <laughs> right so right all of these numbers you're right we were bumping into each other on occasion and you know very funny stuff the set <laughs> seemed massive to me when i was a kid watching it like it really felt like an actual little courtyard with a number of different houses and things like that it was an enormous set which maybe today would be like half computer generated but it was all a physical set with interiors and exteriors and there was even a little river where uh freddie would be on a, a boat there and a little rowboat so it was fascinating and plus charlie the owl's set was the, the best part of that entire creation because he had a lo- the tree house and then the elevator which was of course the envy of all of us watching like okay you know if i could pick a place to live on New Zoo Review, it would be Charlie Owl's place. Sorry, Freddie. Sorry. <laughs> that was a that was a fun part of it. Yeah. Um, but no, you're right. That was the uh, you know amazing thing about the sets. They were all physical and real. There was no uh, you know no green screen then. Yeah. Freddie's green, but we didn't we couldn't use a green screen actually. But uh, here you know here we are in a real world, mm-hmm. and I think. Emmy Joe, don't you say how you thought Henrietta's house was real? <laughs> oh, I did. It, I, I wanted to live in Henrietta's house. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I just loved it. It was so. I always wanted to. You, you could almost believe for sure that one day Henrietta Hippo was going to invite me for tea. <laughs> 
Did either of you keep any of the uh, pieces from the set? Did you like sort of as soon as like the show went off the air or stopped production? Did you grab something and kind of say, "Okay, I'm going to keep"? I this wish we had it. Yeah, yeah. And we've got a lot of pictures, articles, and things like that. Hmm. That no, we don't have the treehouse. When they stored everything, everything went up in flames in a fire in Hollywood. Oh no! All the costumes, the sets, everything. My boots. Oh, oh the 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 amazing Emmy Joe Go Go boots, yeah. Emmy Joe boots, are gone. <laughs> that's yeah, so sad, so, horrible, yeah. horrible. Well, I, you know, at some point, I'm sure someone's gonna you know, appear somewhere and go, "Oh, look, I've got Freddie's head, or I've got uh, Charlie Owl's feet, or something like that." And that will, you know, maybe someone, some grip somewhere along the line, <laughs> grab something and save I something. Think, I don't yeah. think so. <laughs> That's uh, a shame. But, you know, uh, d- did you ever you're in the middle of uh, producing and, and working on the show and in that sort of daily grind? Do you ever stop and look around and go, wow, this is such a weird concept. I can't believe it's on television. Was that ever mm-hmm. a thought that ran through either of your minds? Yes, <laughs> it, it was amazing. I mean, I, I spent a lot of time, a lot of years in legitimate theater in my schooling and all of that and summer stock, you name it. But sometimes I would just look around and think, this is me yeah. and I'm on television. This is for real. Mm-hmm. These cameras were, it was, it was amazing. Yeah. I mean, I would think about all the auditions I went to in New York <laughs> and, and they, some of them panned out, some of them didn't pan out, but here I am with my husband on the set doing this, magical show that is so much fun it is is a blessing such a gift and it was it it was uh, wonderful to see how you know that we were there and we just couldn't believe it i mean i just couldn't believe it. and our cast was very close we all enjoyed each other and not just the cast but the people that worked on the set the grips and the crew we all just had a blast yeah yeah Mm -hmm. So the number of songs, I think, what is it? Something like over 600, 600, 700 songs, somewhere in that range were featured on that show. And uh, Doug, did you say you wrote all of those songs? I mean, how did you, how did you possibly come up with concepts for what is it? 660 songs. How did that, how did you do that? Well, there was there was three <laughs> songs per episode, mm-hmm. and it was very difficult. But it really wasn't because I compartmentalize everything. Mm-hmm. And when I would create a story, I would think, how can I best introduce uh, this concept in a song? Yeah. And then as the plot continued, uh, how can I best further this and reveal the characterization and what they're feeling with this song? So and then the final song, how can I sum that up by a song that will tell the whole story? So that's how I looked at it. And when I sat down to the piano or guitar, I would try to do that. Mm-hmm. And the ideas just came. And it was it was a staggering job when I look back on it. I yeah. just don't realize how I did it. And I, I, I know it was inspiration from the Lord, really, yeah. because I couldn't do it otherwise. And it was just a great way to get messages across to to the kids. And I just loved writing it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I still write now, but that was a time where I was so into writing and it was so great. Yeah, yeah. 
And she fed me coffee. I did. I kept the coffee going. <laughs> that's good. And that's true. That's a true story because mm. there was a time when something happened. I don't I don't remember all the circumstances, but he had to write like 30 songs in a weekend. Oh and I mean, he didn't sleep. Wow. He had his guitar, he had his piano. And I just remember bringing another cup of coffee. Well, yeah. I had to show the production company that I, yeah, I can write these songs. Mm. So I had to put them all on a real to real tape and say here what do you think and they were like okay this kid can write <laughs> so was there I remember i was i was like 23 years old at the time was there ever any concepts that were kind of rejected do, was there a process of of pitching to any executives along the way how what was the hierarchy of that process in terms of getting sign-offs from people who controlled what went on the air and what didn't well, for the most part, they were very, very, you know, good in adapting and yeah. approving our concepts. But we did have some some challenges. I remember a challenge. <laughs> I remember when Doug decided he wanted to do a show on Shakespeare. And there were, nobody said you can't do it. But yeah. there were some questions about, are children going to relate to that? Are children, is that something that is going to really go over? Well, yeah. they want to see a show on Shakespeare. And Doug just stood up for his his um, feelings on that. And we Remarkable. got the show in. And then we he did a show on beauty. And that mm -hmm. was another concept that was a little iffy, <laughs> a show on beauty. But you yeah. you stuck with it. Yeah, we stuck with it. And I'll, I'll never forget, you know, we did a show. Uh, I wanted to do a show on greed. And we did have to go through. Uh, Mattel Toys was our sponsor of the first season. So there was a hierarchy of taking the script in and, hey, how's this? Mm -hmm. Well, in, in Greed, I wanted Charlie the Owl to sing this song called I Got What I Need, where he's satisfied with what he has. He doesn't need anything else. Well, <laughs> the toy executives say, hmm, you know, we're a toy company and we don't want people to be satisfied <laughs> with what they have. Yeah. Because Christmas is coming up. But anyway, they... You know, I showed them that, hey, it's okay to buy new things, but you should be happy with what you have. Mm -hmm. And so they approved the song. And to this day, you can go to the show called Greed, and Charlie sings I Got What I Need, which is a honky-tonk piano version of uh, Be Satisfied With What You Got. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. so we did go through a process, but for the most part, they were very good about that. Oh, that's great. And there's one clip that I stumbled on that – Boy, it just jumped off the screen for me uh, re-watching it. And uh, especially given a modern context of social media and the Internet and things like that, it was a song called There's Too Much Criticism in the World. I think that was the name of the song. <laughs> and it was uh, both of you and Henrietta doing this song. And, and I, I was watching this and I was going, good Lord. <laughs> This is one of the best statements about modern times that uh, mm -hmm. emerged out of that show. It was so prescient. We're all right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Everyone's got an opinion. I think that was right. one of the words. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. opinion is the right one. Yeah. And you yeah. better believe it. But that's the thing that I've noticed about uh, the, the songs that I wrote. They're still mm -hmm. relevant today. These yes. topics mm -hmm. are just evergreen and they just, speak to the audience today like I've never seen before. I never anticipated. Yeah. But um, that's a good example of that. You know, there's too much criticism in the world today. And I 
Put that in a song. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's so much DNA from News or Review in a lot of modern children's shows. Obviously, nothing uh, quite compares. But if I see a show like Yo Gabba Gabba or the Teletubbies or something like that, it, it kind of feels like people were watching and remembering News or Review as they began to develop these new shows. And so that also has to be immensely gratifying that you now have all of these other shows that carry that news and review DNA. Influenced by, yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I think that's a, that's a good point because we we have seen that people ha have taken some of our our ideas and, and put them in new mm -hmm. concepts and stuff. But, uh, you know, there hasn't been a show that has had that magic that, that right. news and review had. Yeah. And I'm just so thankful for that. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I'm, I'd like to see more shows that would concentrate on treating each other with respect and kindness and love because i think that's what's missing in some of the kids shows today you know some of the grown-up shows <laughs> as well yes i, I think yeah. we all need a heavy dose of of that mm -hmm. again so what happened in 1977? What, uh, why did the show stop getting produced at that point? Because it could have been something that maybe could have gone on for at least another decade. We, we thought it was going to go on. Yeah. Well, that's true. We did, but it didn't. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's when we, we moved from California uh, to Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. And Doug established his company or our company out there, you know, Life goes on, and we just sort of went on to the second half of our. We really, lives. we really never knew, yeah, because we weren't really behind the scenes. Yeah, about, we had no idea. Uh, just you know, we thought it would be like Sesame Street. We thought we'd do you know a thousand episodes, mm -hmm. but it just wasn't to be. And I think, mm -hmm. as with any show, there's all kinds of uh, you know discussions about money and this and that, and mm -hmm. producers talking back and forth, and they just decided to pull the plug. And it was, it was a shock to us, and we really didn't understand it. Yeah. But you know, we had to go on. So, right. If right. it was up to us, we would have gone on. Yeah, yeah. So, were there any aspirations to dare I say reboot Nuzu Review? Was that something that was uh, ever discussed? There was a lot of thought about that, but mm -hmm. right, you know, we were in the midst of raising our kids, and I was in the midst of running a company, and yeah, we just you know, didn't have that much control over the property itself. So it was just not going to be. Yeah. And so we just kind of put it on the back shelf. And mm -hmm. Until Joanna decided to do the Facebook page. <laughs> It's it was incredible. on the back shelf. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, have you uh, entertained any ambition to maybe create another children's show? Like maybe something that isn't even related to New Zoo Review? Something that's brand yes. new? I've got a couple uh, on the burner, and uh, yeah. we're, we're looking to get that produced for sure. There's a, there's a, a lot of material out there that I haven't covered yet. <laughs> I'm anxious to do it. Oh, that's yeah. incredible. Yeah, yeah. So you got this great Facebook page, and it sounds like you're making appearances at places like Comic-Con and, and making personal mm -hmm. appearances along those lines. How do you find that experience to be? Is that is that a lot Wonderful. of fun for you? Yeah. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. That is the best because we get to meet. Yeah. Like we're meeting you today. <laughs> I love meeting our new zoo kids. It's yeah. wonderful. I love finding out what they've done for the last 50 years what they're doing now and mm -hmm. it, it's uh 
it's just very gratifying. So yeah. this it's a wonderful thing that Joanna has done for us to get it, help us get in touch with the children that are now grown up, and some of them have grandchildren of their own. Yeah, yeah. So it's fun. I'm I'm loving it. Yeah. I wasn't sure when she walked in and she started talking about this and doing some comic cons and whatever. I just didn't know if I wanted to, but I'm all in. I'm yeah. loving every yeah. minute of it. Yeah, it's really gratifying to see that the show has lived on. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, it's going to outlive us. <laughs> so, yeah, I, yeah. I'm just, I'm just thrilled about that. So I have to ask, who is in the Freddy suit today? <laughs> I'm sorry to, to peel back the curtain, oh, but... Oh, wait a minute. I, that's not a suit. <laughs> I mean, I you know, I have to give Freddy? credit because whoever that is has been doing such a wonderful job uh, yes, hanging out. Thank you for Sweating that. and sweating, I'm sure, in, in the suit. <laughs> no, he, he is a wonderful... He is the essence of Freddie inside okay. there. All right. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Good and enough. One of the nicest people that we've met. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> okay. If no. You notice, if you notice, he's on top of every emotion. Everything mm -hmm. is expressed in that face of his <laughs> a couple, couple of occasions i thought he was getting a little woozy back there like okay this is it's well the heat's getting to him yes yeah. it's 110 in here and <laughs> i wish they would stop talking so i can you know get a cool beverage but I, I have to say this has been such an immense pleasure to get to know you and get to uh to speak with both of you and i you know i'm more than happy to continue spreading the word about this wonderful and immensely unique and odd and inspiring television show. So congratulations. Well, you know, I, might, I might just mention that um, if, if you, I, I would like everybody to know that our Facebook page is the new zoo review. The Cause there's quite review. a few other Facebook pages that we don't have anything to do with, and that's all fine. Mm -hmm. But our page, the one that our daughter started, is the New Zoo Review. Wow. And the same on Instagram. Okay. But I, I appreciate Bob having us on so because of it, you. it's just wonderful well, being able to talk to you. The pleasure is all mine. And to, to, yeah. You know, in our minds, we're not icons. We're <laughs> just <laughs> a couple of parents that. Uh, we're yeah. now granny and granddad. Yeah, now granny and granddad that, that just love love kids. Yeah. And I'm just so thankful for the impact that we've had on kids. Yeah. yeah. And I, I it's just, I, all I can say is I'm very thankful. Thank you again. This has been an immense, an immense honor for me. Thanks, Thank Bob. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Bye.